Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. I'm Achtung, Achtung, as we say in We Have Ways Land. But um, first things first, James Holland, congratulations. Publication oh, day, September the 3rd. What better day yeah. to celebrate a book about the Second World War than the day it started? 81 years ago for us here in Britain. For us here in Britain. A couple of days earlier for um, people in Poland, of course. Yep. Or in China, different. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. but it's con- an anniversary. That's but con- it's right. an anniversary. But, it's con- a big but congratulations. Um, I can, I can, I can say this as someone who has read this book. Right? Um, <laughs> you sat me the whole thing because I have read this book. Um, it's a ter- it's a terrific, um, a terrific tome. I only found. Uh, we had to call you about it. One one small error. We had to check whether you really <laughs> meant what you'd written. Um, and it's uh, it's a, a mistake anyone can make. Um, but um, it's a it's a Fantastic read, and I know people who know the stuff you do will uh, it'll be right up their alley. But but look, you've written you're in your second volume of War in the West. Yes, you've done Malta, you've done Malta Battle of Britain. You've gone into smaller things like Malta, larger sort of headline things like the Battle of Britain. Sicily forty three. Yeah. Why well, not? Why write? Why write about Sicily when you've done D? You've done D Day. You've done the Normandy battle. What? Why? What? What's that for? Well. Uh, um, I've got to say that I, I didn't really know much about Sicily, um, apart from the kind of sort of the bare bones about it. But then I went on a battlefield tour with the army. Yeah. And it is just literally the best place to do a battlefield tour. Because you've got this, you suddenly realise you've got a very contained story. It's an island, so it's got a very obvious start, middle and end. Yeah. And suddenly you're starting to sort of think about it and you think, OK, it's got special forces, tick. It's got Paddy Main. Bigger tip, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's got paratroopers. It's got mad Germans. It's got Valentin Huber, who's who's the one of the, you know, most interesting generals known as Der Man. Yeah. Um. You know, he's got got one arm. Yeah. From from his a wound in the from an amputation in the First World War. Yes. So hold on, he must be pretty special because that means that he's still in the army, in. The 1920s, yeah. when almost no one else is. So he's an old school German military badass. Yeah, but, yeah, but but you know. To stay in the army in the 1920s when you've only, you know, it's quite a big thing anyway. But to yeah. stay in the army when you've only got one arm is an even bigger thing. So he's pretty impressive. Um, pistols mainly, I expect. Pistols? pistols <laughs> maybe, mainly. maybe. But, <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's got tiger tanks. Um, yeah. It's got it's got Italians. It's got, it has got the mafia that they are involved. Yeah. Um, it's got all sorts of things in it. You know, it's got the heat. It's got the Mediterranean. It's got Spitfires. It's got bombers. Yeah. It's got Messerschmitts. It's literally got everything you could possibly want from a World War II story. And it's a brilliant place to walk the ground. It really yeah. is. There's lots of remnants of the battle still there. You can still see it and everything. Um, there's bunkers, there's bullet holes. Um, lots of the landscape is completely unchanged. And it's a really fantastic story. And of course, it's where the Allies, as a coalition, because the Allies are not Allies, they're actually just a coalition, it's where they really start to sort of get themselves together. It's, it's really where they start to sort things out. Because although Americans and British have been fighting side by side in Tunisia, it's only one core. Yeah. Of, of Americans it's not a, it's as not part a, of British First Army, yeah. 
Whereas this, it's two armies. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an army a, level. So it's, it's army up, level. It's gone up a gear. It's gone up a massive gear. Right. And that's really interesting. Okay. And it's air, land, and sea. And I think so, really well, so this leads me to the next question, right? Um, because that, as a pitch for like a a, a, a Second World War battle that we really ought to know the story of and we really ought to be interested yeah. in, especially given what happens in the next two years, right. which is... You know, uh, uh, only a, within the year they do a, a, a colossal. The, you know, the, the eleven biggest, months later, eleven months later, the biggest. I mean, in things terms, things in the Second World War, in the second half tend to happen in eleven eleven months uh, phases, don't they? Why? Why is it a thing that's uh, in abeyance? Why is this not a thing that people yeah. are attracted to? And, and so, what's the what's the problem with Sicily in that respect? Why? Why? Why, why have they had to? Why have you had to write a book about it? But, you know, <laughs> I, I why, mean, why isn't it on a shelf? Yeah. Why is there not a shelf groaning of Sicily? Well, I think it's because of what followed. I think you know Monte Cassino is more 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 famous and or infamous, depending on which way you look at it. And Anzio, in terms of the Italian campaign, yeah. And you know, then you got D Day, of course, which is which is the, is is kind of the daddy, really, of of kind of Second World War uh, subjects for kind of we Westerners. Yeah. And. I think it just gets forgotten. I mean, at the time, back in 1943, this was absolutely front-page news yep. all around the world. And I'm talking about all around the world. I mean, you know, don't forget... This, well, even this in the, a, especially in the Eagles, in, in the Eagles, uh, the Wolf's Lair, rather. Yeah, They're absolutely. all going, oh, well. crap. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And Operation Zitadel, which is, is, is cursed, which is a, kind of the last time the Germans go forward on the Eastern Front, over is cancelled. Uh, over, over which much more ink has been spilt than Sicily. Yes, and that is that is called off by Hitler personally because of the Allied invasion in yeah. in, in in Sicily, and there is this kind of sort of consi- sort of persistent myth that somehow the Mediterranean theatre is small beer compared to kind of what's going on in the Eastern Front, yeah. and it is yeah. true it is compared to um, boots on the ground, but one has to be very careful about seeing boots on the ground as equating to strategic importance. Yeah, you know what it also happens at the same time is something like. I think it's 3,504 aircraft in the Luftwaffe are destroyed over that summer in 1943 in the Mediterranean. But 702 are lost on the Eastern Front. So it depends on which way you're looking. If you're looking at it purely in terms of kind of boots on the ground, then, you know, obviously lots more people are killed on the the Eastern Front. But but you also have to remember that boots on the ground is also dictated by space. So, you know, if you think about Guadalcanal in the Pacific, for example, that is a pretty small island yeah. in the far off Pacific. Yeah. There's only a, there's a limit to how many men you can but, actually can function there. But also but no one would deny that that yeah. is of enormous strategic importance. But also if you're th- considering it in terms of a, of, of, of a, the Second World War being an industrial conflict and no one would deny that. Yeah. Um, whose factories are winning and where. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and if you're shooting down lots of aeroplanes, then your defeat, your factories are defeating their factories. And, yes, uh, you know, uh, because after all, for instance, the bomber command uh, campaign is basically using your factories to destroy their factories, yes. and the and the, the 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 planes are the thing at the sharp end of that. But it's about a mu- it's about a much bigger picture than simply the the point of combat combat and the point of where the kinetic um, uh, moment occurs. Yeah, yeah, that that is absolutely absolutely right. And I think one of the other things is well, there's two things here. First of all, is that the Sicily invasion, um, that sees the end of Italy as, a, as, yeah. a, as an ally, really. Um, it's the overthrow of Mussolini on the, on, the, um, on the 25th of July. That brings the Medoglio government. Right from the word go, it's absolutely clear that they're off-ski. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all over. It's only a matter of time. The Germans know it, the Italians know it, and what the Italians are doing is they're desperately trying to organise um, a means of getting out of the war 
with the least amount of pain for Italy. Yeah. And obviously, although they know proof, that they goes know, badly, badly, and they right. know perfectly well how much pain is on offer. Yes. So, so I mean, I mean, because but, but but that also means in turn that the Germans have then got to not only occupy Italy, they've also got to occupy the whole of the Aegean. Yeah. Because. It, it, it's really interesting how sort of the narrative of the Second World War suggested it's the British who are obsessed with the southern flank and obsessed with the Mediterranean. The person who is the single one person who is more obsessed with the Mediterranean than anyone else in the entire Second World War is Hitler. Yeah, and that's because he fears that it's the soft underbelly. He, li- he literally is, and, yeah. and, and it's really interesting when you look at the reports of. of um, of um, meetings and there's lots of verbatim transcripts yeah. of these conversations that yeah. Hitler has. It comes up time and time again. And when you look at the appreciations of the OKW, and the OKW is the Oberkommando to Wehrmacht, which is the German Combined Services General Staff. Yeah. Over and over and over again, they're going on and on and on about the Mediterranean. Well, I- it, it, it really is very, very important. And the main reason for that, in turn, is not only because, you know, they're vulnerable from the south, but it's also because in Romania is the plastic um, oil fields. Oil fields that is the only oil, real oil, that they can get their hands yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if that's threatened, if that is destroyed or overrun, then they are completely stuck because because oil, of course, is one of the absolute key yeah. ingredients of any warfare. Now, one of the things I was most um, struck by, and and to be honest. In reading the audiobook, and I did it in this in this very chamber, ladies and gentlemen, in the modern style, via producer on Zoom going, no, you've pronounced that wrong every five minutes. Um, the German names, but finally it's the Italian names, which have got <laughs> hidden soft consonants. Yes. I was fascinated and, and, um, and entertained by some of those conversations, the OKW conversations, where they descend into, um, well, anyway, the, the thing about the Italians, and it turns into barroom... Yeah. Barroom bigot. I always con- knew he was a rat. Con- it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And that it? they're wasting their that they're wasting their time, their, breath. Me- their breath, their mental energy, their strategic thought. Yeah. In uh, 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 getting tangled up in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that guy's no good because most of the officers um, in his head, in his staff are married to English women, and they and they and they, li- uh, uh, they literally believe this. And, and they're making it. They're making it up. Nonsense. And they believe it. And it's 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 just brilliant. And it's like, yeah, I heard that too. And to to yeah. to read that, um, and and. They're always complaining. They're always saying that they haven't got anything. But but you know, I I was in Rome and these playboys, yeah. you know, still out on the lash. But, uh, but I mean, I mean it's, we, it's absolutely amazing. And we've talked about we have talked about this a lot um, on 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 the podcast and in the live cast with mm-hmm. um, our sweet patrons who we love dearly. Is that is that um, one of the things that's really striking? Uh, uh, and and again, this comes up in the book. Is there are all these British intelligence effort, efforts to <laughs> yeah. stymie to stymie the Germans' reading of Allied intelli- intentions and yeah. American intelligence efforts? Yes. But really, there's kind of no need for it because Hitler's Hitler's convinced it's going to be Greece, even though he has not for one moment considered fight cover as the as the no, absolute... and, and that that is absolutely incredible. I mean, Hitler has this has this. Amazing ability to view his enemy's thoughts as right. a kind of mirror of his own. Yeah. So, so Hitler's sitting there in, in the Warsaw, and he's thinking, "The place that I'm most worried about is Romania. So that is where the that is where the Allies are going to go for." Yeah. Which means they're going to land in Greece or the Balkans or something. And everyone says, "Well, yeah, but there is this big issue. If you remember when we were planning Operation Sea Lion, we had to." 
across the kind of sort of southeast England because it's the only place where we had fighter cover. Yeah. And, and if you remember, my Führer, um, you said that absolutely a prerequisite of any invasion was that we had control of airspace. All that is just completely yeah. gone out the window. He's completely forgotten that. And of course, that is exactly what is dictating where yeah. the Allies land. Which so, means, well, so it's Sardinia or Sicily. Sardinia. Well, no, no. So, so the options are Sardinia or Sicily. There's no point invading Sardinia. There's no when, point invading Sardinia at all. I mean, well, I suppose there's a point because because then it's further up the leg of Italy and you could outflank the whole of southern Italy and all the rest of it. But it's only just within the limits yeah. of fighter cover. And, and, and the question is, okay, so why do they need fighter cover? Well, the point is, is because when you're landing, you are incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. You're in slow landing craft. You're coming onto there's lot. There's a mass of shipping out there. And yes, they've all got anti-aircraft guns and pom-poms and all the rest of it. But that makes you incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. To, to avoid being shot at for, by bombers from, from the air when you're out at sea, you need to be moving around all over the place. But by the very nature of an invasion, you, you can't do that because yeah. it's, it's all suddenly everything slows down. Because you're nearing the nearing the coast, or yeah, you've yeah. got to actually stand still. So you're incredibly vulnerable. So you absolutely have to have control of the skies over that invasion front. And yeah, that that is totally non-negotiable. Yeah, and this goes back to the whole planning of Sicily in the first place. That when you're doing these amphibious operations, whatever it whatever it may be, whether it's Normandy, whether it's Operation Husky, the one thing that absolutely trumps absolutely everything is that it doesn't fail. Yeah. The moment you've got a foothold on, on Sicily, on Normandy, wherever it is, you're going to win because you're the Allies and your material advantage is so great that you can't lose. Yeah. The crux moment is in those early stages yeah. when you haven't got overwhelming strength because you've only just arrived. Yeah. And you're limited by landing craft, by shipping, by all sorts of things on how many you can, how many men and how much ammunition and, and rations and all the rest of it and water you can deliver on on in the, on d-day and d plus one and d plus two and d plus three so that is that is the absolute nub of so any, the, well, any so invasion you, like that and you have to remember with husky no one's ever done anything on this scale yeah ever before but it, but it's the sort of ultimate lesson of the second world war isn't it if if, if the enemy's air air um capability can't interfere with what you're trying to achieve it'll work so american yes. factor american factories are unmolested by air attack, right? Russian factories are unmolested by air yeah. attack. By the by, nineteen forty-three. So British. British factory. ones are really so. So it's all about if they could, if you can, if you can, if you can ensure that the enemy can't bring his air component to bear, you you will control that space, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. So, okay. So I mean, what we've we've done a bit. Of, we we haven't been entirely tangential. We're still talking about Sicily. We've actually managed to stay. Uh, 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 now, um, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll toss in a question, and then we'll come back to the we'll come back to the the, the, the fuller story. Because uh, after all, what you have here is a thing being planned while the Allies are still finishing up in North Africa. Yes, Eighth Army have arrived on the scene in yeah. Tunisia, having uh, uh, chased R Rommel uh, uh, across North Africa. First yes. Army have landed, and uh, and everyone's meeting in the middle. Yeah. Um, Eighth Army are kind of coming from the east. Coming from the east, First <laughs> Army from the west. Germans are the meat and the sandwich. Yeah. In the end, constantly reinforced by Hitler. Well, yes, and constantly reinforced. He's reinforcing failure, like kind of re reliably. Yeah. In, in, but in it's not way. just that. It's also the vast amount of Luftwaffe. I mean, something like I think it's like two thousand four hundred yeah. Luftwaffe planes are shot down in Tunisia. That, that's quite separate to the yeah. three thousand five hundred four yeah. I mentioned earlier yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's six thousand, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> six thousand yeah, 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 yeah. in total. Yeah. yeah. Lost. 
1943 in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. Six thousand aircraft. Yeah, and yeah, and that if that. How many shot down the Battle of Britain? I mean, well, yeah. Uh, what is it? Well, you should know. You wrote a book about it, right? Yeah, well, I can't so, remember, but, 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 but you know, so, it's not so that what, many. So what's striking about this, say compared to D-Day, is what we know about what we all know about D-Day is a staff that isn't currently tangled up in what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, from where you're going to launch the invasion, um, uh, is sat figuring it out. Freddie Morgan sat there figuring out what on earth an overlord might be like. Yeah. What what sledgehammer or roundup or whatever they've yeah, been, yeah. What they've, been, they've been working their way through this. Whereas this is done essentially on the hoof yes. by Eighth Army's staff and the American staff who come together and stick this thing together with Mary Cunningham uh, uh, with the Middle East with the, with the, the North African Tactical Air Force with the, and, and, and you're and having spots well exactly and, so you're having to, and, you're having, and you're having to meld you're having to meld American and, and yep. British air power and American air power at this point turns up and there's there's so many of them it's absurd yeah that, that's that's what, one of the things that's really really interesting and again there is this, this constant focus on land, land warfare I think at the expense of naval warfare and and, air, and the air component. And what's really interesting about Tunisia, which ends with the with the Axis surrender on the 13th of May 1943, is that there's just one corps, American corps, within First Army. Yeah. So there's you know they represent maybe you know sixth of the manpower or something of yeah. uh, you know the other five six are British. Yeah. Um, an Indian and um um. But in terms of numbers of aircraft, by May, middle of May 1943, actually the Americans outnumber the massive, RAF. Massive, you know, and so, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's on that front, they're kind of in, well, the, in the driving seat. And that, again, underlines just how important Americans and indeed the British well, place air power. Uh, uh, well, and so what you get, and I, I, I thought it was really interesting because, because after all, you know, echoes of D-Day and all of this. Yeah, yeah. Is you get a rehearsal for the idea of using air power yeah. to simply win a battle. It's Lampedusa, isn't it? No, it's Pantelleria. Sorry, it's Pantelleria. My, my, yeah, my mistake. It's Pantelleria, which is just which, off the Tunisian well, coast, which, which is, a, is which is where Joseph Heller was um, eventually based, right? And, and where actually um, Catch Twenty Two is about, right? Right. One way or another. Okay. Right. Well, I right. Really and, and 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 what we have is is it's Lindemann, isn't it? Yeah. Lindemann turns up. And we, no, it's, it's no, Sonny it's not, Zuckerman. So no, it's Sonny Zuckerman, of course. I, he, he sit, there you go. I've got the island wrong and the scientist wrong. But the point... But the, the, but the principle is the, right. The principle's the same. So what you've got is, a, is basically uh, uh, Zuckerman, who's, who famously does the bombing is it, is the bombing survey, where he goes, bombing doesn't work. This is how you, you have to change bombing. Yeah. You've got bombing wrong. You, 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 he doesn't say that bombing's wrong. He says you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You've got the right idea, but you're applying it wrong. And he does a number-crunching... Yeah. Um, uh, plan for, yeah. for Pantheria. It's like off-quad, but, but with air power. E exactly. It's but an algorithm. E exactly. He comes up with an algorithm, which is essentially an extension of the, or, or a precursor to what then happens yeah. in northern France, where um, in the run-up to D-Day, where they bomb everything and absolutely everywhere in order to in order to create an impression of something else, and also to to knock the enemy out so you don't have to fight him. And when they get and then when they get to Pantelleria, basically the people on Pantelleria go, you know what? <laughs> I'm out. We've had we've I'm had out. we've had all yeah. this. We've had days yeah. of this. Yeah. We are sick of this, and I'm we're done and we're done. Uh, and, the, and the kind of sort of the nail in the coffin is when the navy turn up and start shelling them from the it, sea as well. Exactly. So, so hang on a minute. I've got B. I've got B. B. Seventeen is kind of hammering me. I've got offshore naval guns. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. So you know, so, so so the British do land, but they they just walk through a kind of sort of you know. I mean, Pantelleria town is, itself is and just the thing is, smashed, if you compare this to the effort 
um, and I like, I like, I like, you know, one of my favourite tangents of old is if you compare this to the action in Madagascar a year yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironclad. where they ironclad, where they scrape together what they can. It's South African biplanes, it's little tetrarch tanks, yeah, yeah. and all this sort of stuff, and they simply don't, they aren't able. I mean, they win, yeah, uh, and it, but it takes them ages, and the and the the Vichy French fight this extraordinary delaying action and all that sort of stuff. But if you compare, if you compare what the Allies are capable of, yes. At such an important strategic point as it was at the time, Madagascar in '42, to what they're able to apply in the in, in the in late, late spring, early summer, 1943. It's literally a year later. Yeah, Le- full leaps and full bounds. It's it's the 11 month cycle. It's the amazing, shipping's kicked in. The factories yeah, yeah. have kicked in. And if it is your factories versus their factories, the factories of the factories are winning at the uh, at this point. Massively. Right, Absolutely. So, so, right, we'll ask a question because... Um, well, hold on, just let me just say, say one thing very quickly before, before we do that. So, so the interesting, I think, I think one of the biggest lessons from Husky, the invasion of Sicily, yeah. is that your commanders and your planning team need to be focused entirely on yeah, that yeah, yeah. one campaign. Yeah. So what everyone has to understand is that all the senior commanders are already involved in the yeah. Tunisian campaign, when this is going on. Yeah. So Montgomery, who was earmarked for 8th Army Command in Sicily, yeah. is still commanding 8th Army in Tunisia at yeah. the time of planning. Yeah. Alexander is not only going to be commander for overall ground commander for Sicily, yeah. he is also overall ground commander for, for, for Tunisia. And at the time that, that is, planning is all kicking off, yeah. he's absolutely got his hands full. Yeah. You know, Eisenhower is exactly the same. He's Supreme Allied Commander after, after the uh, Casablanca conference in January 1943 and you know he's thinking about Tunisia and they've you know you have the Catherine Pass in in the middle of February yeah. just as planning for Sicily is starting yeah, 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 and yeah. it's like flipping heck you know <laughs> you're, you're, you're spinning plates and juggling all this yeah and what is you know the Allies come under huge criticism by historians for the kind of haphazard way in which they plan and, and, and I think that's that's just Nonsense, and you you made a very good point to me that, that no one criticised the multiple plans that the Germans went through in 1940. No, before they invaded in the West. No, they, you know, they that's scroll, fine. They scroll you know, through everything to find the right one. Uh, uh, and, and what is what is so incredible about Operation Husky is you've got what becomes Seventh Army and isn't even an army at this point of the planning. They're in one headquarters in Algeria planning. You've got the overall headquarters, you know, uh, Allied forces headquarters planning. Then you've got. Eighth Army's planning, yeah. doing in, in in Cairo. You've got the navy, the Royal Navy, in in combination of different places. Yeah. Uh, um, you've got the RAF as well, and, and the and the USAAF. Yeah. And then you've got the overall umbrella of Allied Air Forces. All of this has got to be brought together when planning teams are thousands of miles apart. Yeah. And fighting another battle. Yeah. And it is amazing that they managed to pull it off. I mean, it is, it is the, the logistics of it, the, the complication, the detail is so mind-bogglingly complex well, when you're trying to take a force. I mean, you know, Normandy is a cakewalk in, in terms of mileage. You know, yeah. it's like 70 to 90 miles across yeah, yeah. the channel. This year, talking about hundreds of miles, you know, to, to, get, to, to get to Sicily, from, you know, particularly from... from when from part Cairo. of the invasion force is coming, coming from, from, Cairo, from, from, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from basically Alexandria, from Alexandria, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like 900 miles away. Yeah. 900 miles. Yeah. I mean, that, that sort of lands into John O'Groats kind yeah. of yeah, distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And it's incredible they do. And, and one of the big things, one of the criticisms of it is that Monty insists on having too many men on D-Day landing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because of that, he, it's, it's very heavy on boots on the ground. And that comes at a cost to motorised transport. Yeah. Which... which 
then comes back to, to bite them yeah. as the campaign un- un- unfolds. But what you have to remember, at the time that decision is made, Eighth Army has hit a brick wall of Italians, predominantly Italians, yeah. at Infideville yeah, 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 in yeah. April 1943. Who were entirely prepared to fight. Who were entirely prepared to fight. And he thinks, hang on a minute, by this judgment, we could be in for a bit of a sticky time in Sicily. Yeah. What's the most important thing? That it doesn't fail. Therefore, we need to make sure that whatever happens, we're covered. That, yeah. that it doesn't fail. So let's be overcautious on the number of men. Overcautious! Montgomery, overcautious. James, yeah, but, you said but, it. But, but, it's, <laughs> but overcautious with hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I would argue that that's just very sensible. Yeah, no, he's, 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 basically, he's, right. he's literally picking his battles. Why would you go into a battle unless you're absolutely certain you're going to win? We need to take a short break now. I'll see you in a tick. So we'll do some questions. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and uh, well, um, we where should we where should we start? Merrin Walters asks. Um, Merrin um, is a friend uh, we know from the from Patreon from the, yes. from the podcast. Um, she asks Italy or says Italy's southern regions were behind the curve um, for a long time on many things, and that's that's certainly the case. So, how much did the Sicilians know about the invasion to come? What was going on in reality, and what was their general knee-jerk response to meeting the invading Allied troops? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you, your average Sicilian didn't didn't know one thing or the other, but but certainly the Italian command was utterly convinced it was going to be Sicily. Yeah. I mean, because it was just so because blindingly obvious. Where yeah. else? Uh, um, and so they were absolutely convinced about it, and they, they took a very, very dim view of this. Yeah. Um, so General Ruata was a guy who was, over, first of all, in Oops. charge of Sicily. Yeah. Uh, and, and he had it. He was tough as old. I mean, he was absolutely brutal, and, uh, and ruled with an iron fist in the yeah. Balkans. Um, when the Italians have been kind of running the show in, in Yugoslavia. Although he's the guy the Germans are saying, his staff are all in. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah, it's just yeah, absolutely it's nonsense. nonsense yeah. um, and, and he gets bumped upstairs. And um, then Guzzoni takes over. Yeah. Guzzoni's never visited Sicily before he takes command. Uh, and he only takes command in June 1940. He's literally never been there. Never been there. And he gets over. And, you know, and the, and the trouble is, is most of the coast... So the best troops the Italians have have been in North Africa. Yep. And they're now in the bag. Yeah. So what you've got left is all these coastal divisions in Sicily. Yeah. And they're all absolutely shockingly bad. Well, essentially, they're essentially lots of militia, essentially. Aren't they? Effectively, yeah. yeah. They don't want to be there. They're not interested. Um, they're not interested in the war. They're not interested in fighting. They've never seen any action. They're badly trained. More importantly, they're badly equipped as well. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you've got these sort of huge depots in kind of western Sicily, which have large numbers of boots but they're all size 12 or something yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and so vast majority of the Sicilian Sicilian troops don't have boots so they're wearing sort of slippers and kind of like yeah, clogs yeah, and all this yeah. kind of stuff I mean it's just it's just absolute nonsense and, and I think what you see in Tunisia that is that is the last gasp yeah. of the Italians in, in, in the Second World War at, at, at that point with the end of Tunisia morale has completely collapsed and it doesn't matter, even in a, in a sort of semi-totalitarian state, and I, I say that word advisedly, it's, it's not a totalitarian state in the same way that Nazi Germany is or the Soviet Union is. No. You know, because there are checks on Mussolini's power. Well, it's a sort of... Well, it's a, there sort, is of, a, there is, it is well, it's a sort of collaborative uh, uh, um, totalitarian right. state. Uh, and Sicily has always been slightly apart from well, the rest of the mainland is, anyway. Well, Sicily is a part of Italy, but yet apart from Italy. Right. So, 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 so there is this sort of feeling that... They might come, they might not come, who knows. Yeah. Um, 
But they're absolutely done with the war. They're, they're completely done. But of course, the Allied planners don't know that. And so there is this, this, this concern that when they get there, then suddenly the Italians, because they're now fighting, you know, if they were tough in Tunisia, yeah. now they're fighting on their own patria. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, they, yeah, they might yeah. be even worse. Yes, well, yeah, because well, after all that, 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 that happens, doesn't yeah. it? it, uh, it uh, basically, it, what happens it, it, for the most part... It's a reasonable expectation, isn't it? Yeah, and for the most part, particularly in the southeast of, of Sicily, where the aid army lands, the Italians just melt away. I mean, they, they're just... Pff, fire a few shots, fire a, you know, a few bursts of machine gun, and then just bugger off. Yeah. Well, and then late, and then later on, of course, uh, when Patton turns to turns west, turns west, they all kind of they, they evaporate. Yeah. But and, there, there is a bit of resistance at Jella, where where you yeah. know lesser Scaliti um, uh, and lesser at Licata, which is a three um, American invasion points. But at Jella, there, there is some quite heavy resistance. Yeah. there's quite a lot of Italians get killed. Uh, um, the the fight for Jella town itself is is quite a quite a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for the most part, okay. Well, let's let, let, now. So that was a question that came to us live, and then we have some questions that have come uh, 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 in anticipation of this evening's publication day event. And uh, um, I've, you know, uh, I've had a few books out, not as many as you, James. I mean, that's the other thing. Is look at the inner sleeve. You think, bloody hell, he's been busy. Yeah, and um, a lot of those are ladybird experts, and you know, don't knock don't it. Count. Don't knock it. It's well, a published, count, it's a published book. You know, when the you know in in a, a billion years time when they're sifting through the <laughs> landfill, they'll find one of your labour books. Go, <laughs> I, I, I he think, must have been. I important. think this is book thirty-two. Or wow, amazing! Right, so uh, Daryl Griffin says, "Loving the podcast, of course." Evening, chaps. Sicily, nineteen forty-three. Patton and the Seventh Army surges to take Palermo and Messina. Then comes the notorious slapping incident. Yes. Yeah, and Patton gets sidelined. My question is. How much does this incident affect the dynamic of the invading US forces in D-Day and the immediate period after it until he assumes command of 3rd Army, which becomes operational late in July? Yes, yeah, so you mean D-Day as in 6th of June 1944 yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than D-Day as yeah, in 10th of July yeah, the, the, 1943? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so the slapping incidents, the first one is on the 3rd of August and the second one is on the 10th of August. Um, uh, and, and he, you know, he goes a bit mad. Nice. He goes a bit mad, particularly the second one. You know, he starts sort of pulling out his pistol and, you know, there's, there's a doctor that has to kind of restrain him and well, hold him back. And which, well, which begs the question, after the first one, did someone say, by the way, sir, I really think what you did is probably not worth repeating? Yeah, well, there was a little bit of that. Um, uh, uh, but, but you know, Patton just went, no, he's a goddamn coward. And, you know, that he had a very high voice. It's an ongoing gag for Alan, right? Uh, um, um, but, but the second one is where he really goes ballistic. Yeah. And he's literally about to kill this guy. And he has to be pulled off and restrained. It's like, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's odd, though, because uh, he's, he's having a good war at this point, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is just a very, very odd guy. And, uh, and, and it turns out this guy's suffering from malaria. Yeah. Anyway, like everyone, anyway, like but, everyone. But, but what happens inevitably? You know, word of this leaks out and it gets to the press corps. Yeah, and the press corps start writing about it, and then it gets to Eisenhower, and Eisenhower is is literally that close to sacking him there and then. Yeah. The other thing about Patton is is, is that he. Wow, what's quite interesting about him is he doesn't. He knows the kind of patter. You're not allowed to slag off the Brits. Yeah. But in his diary, boy, does well, he go on, 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 on about yeah. it. Now, what, what, is, what is not clear is, is, is what difference there is between 
what he's writing in his diary, which is just for him, and, and is basically his kind of psychiatrist couch. Yeah, letting That's his letting off his steam, yeah, yeah. and kind of the end of the day, it's email you don't send. And yeah, yeah. And how much he's saying to his inner circle, but what is abs- But what I think is clear is that John Lucas, who later infamously commands uh, uh, um, um, the Allies at Anzio, but has been sent there to be his kind of, sort of right hand man, yeah, his yeah. sort of buddy, buddy, absolutely buys into what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a couple of other senior American commanders who are also kind of random, sort of going, yeah, yeah, you know, those limeys yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And, and it actually, it's incredibly unhelpful. Well, because you, I mean, you do even in the book, I, you do call him, you do call his feelings nationalist. They, they, they go beyond. Yeah, they I think they are. I, th- I think the most. The, I, th- I think. I think the most important thing is is, is Patton is number one. He's he's one of his people. He's just he's just. He's got to be the victor. He's got to be the top. He's got to be top of the form. He's got to be the best. He's got to yeah. win. He's got to do this. I mean, you know, I know it's all sounding incredibly familiar. Uh, yeah. um, and it is, you know, there are massive comparisons, I yeah. think, between Patton and Trump. Yeah. Uh, um, but there's this kind of sort of need to always be on top. Uh, um, and I think that comes first, followed by the United States second. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, there are lots of good things about his generalship. There are. Yeah, uh, and the other thing that's really interesting about him is he does always obey orders. So he grumbles and gripes and gripes. Yes, but he, when you say do it, he yeah, does it. That is really fascinating because there's all there is all the sort of wrangle about sharing roads and and all that sort of stuff, isn't there? And who's going to go? Well, I quite route, enjoyed but, unpacking that because yeah, because it, again, well, did, there's a lot of myths about this. So, so for those who don't know, there is this sort of ongoing kind of saga about the fact that that. Uh, um, Eighth Army had there, there was some agreed boundaries about wh- who was going to get what road and which yeah. was going to be Seventh Army yeah. and which was. Yeah. And there was this, you know, Eighth Army was in the driving seat. That was because it was in the southeast of of, of Sicily, and the objective is Messina. Yeah. And the reason the objective is Messina is because when you get to Messina, you then cut off the rest of the island. Yeah. And it's gone. Yeah. Because that is the that is the, the, artery, the artery to mainland yeah. Italy yeah. and the rest of the Mediterranean, effectively. And, and so that's why you you know once you've got to Messina, you won. So, so the landing in the southeast of uh, of Sicily makes sense because that means that you are within air cover of Malta, which is sixty miles to the south. Yeah, which is good news, um, and also from from northeast Tunisia. So you can have that aerial support, which is so important, but it's also the quickest way to get to Messina. Yeah, the reason Eighth Army are in the driving seat is a because they are coming from Egypt, which is to the east, to the east, and, and the Americans are coming from North Africa in the northwest Africa, which is in the west. Yeah. So geographically, you don't want to be start to cross. But second thing is because Seventh Army is an untried army; it's never. It's, I mean, it's, it's brand. It's brand new. The paint but, is drying on the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it only becomes an army at midnight on D Day yeah. of yeah. Operation Husky. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Eighth Army has won at Alamein and been across yeah. it, you know, and they, they've, you know, they know what they're about, so they're more experienced, and and that is n- casting no aspersions on on the Americans who perform brilliantly in, in in Sicily. It is just the reality of the situation. At the beginning of July 1943. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes perfect sense. So they're in the driver's seat and they have a much easier time of it than the Americans in the initial first few days of the invasion. So again, it makes sense to give them the priority. And from the American point of view, what's not to like? Because yeah, because yeah, yeah. what that means is, I mean, what you want to do is be part of the victory, um, um, be absolutely involved in the war blood, for blood, the blood, least amount of blood, deaths blood, as you possibly blood, can. Blood your guys, but not, but not have to... But in a gentle way. Not have to meet grinding. From the American point of view, if, if the British want to take all the kind of, you know, take all the, the heavy fighting yeah. and get all the casualties, that's great. Yeah. And actually what subsequently happens is that, that, that Patton then kind of veers west and clears off the west of the, of the island. 
has a very, very easy victory militarily, but really tests the logistics, the operational level of the Seventh <laughs> Army. Think. And it, well, yeah, but 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 it is no, true. no, 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 it's true. And, and you know, they've never tested this, and this is literally the most important thing of all. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter and, about your tactical now. If you a, can't, if you can't get all your kit to the battlefront, yeah, yeah. your tactics are never going to happen in the first place. Yeah. So they're able to test this, and, and from because of Palermo, because because most of the Sicilians that have left. Sicily for America in the first two decades of the 20th century have yeah. come from the western half of Sicily yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than the eastern half. There's obviously a huge Sicilian, western Sicilian population in the United States. So for, so when they go into Palermo on the sort of 22nd, 23rd of July 1943, they're cheered. You know, all they all come out and Patton is hailed and all the rest of it. And, and that is fantastically good publicity back home. Yep. And that is what makes Patton the superstar he becomes. Yeah. You know, that is the start of this, putting him on a massive pedestal of, of enormous fame. It's, yeah. it's not Normandy. This is where it all begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and again, from Patton's point of view, that is just a total tick, 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 every which way you look so, at it. So it's peculiar then that he would blow his top. Well, well the other thing is that the road in question, they converge like this. Yeah, yeah. So, somewhere, so the Americans... The two divisions, the 45th and the 1st, which are side by side, would have had to have given ground with themselves in any case. At some point, yeah. Because they're going in, they're not, they're not going straight up. Yeah. They're going like, they're converging yeah, yeah, towards yeah. one another. So, so the whole thing is a complete non-starter. And it is, the whole idea of the sort of the race to Messina and all the rest of it is, yeah. is entirely a figment of Patton's imagination and, and, and his own competitiveness. And it is absolutely something that the British simply don't consider at all. Uh, and, and Monty, who is not known for his lack of competitiveness yeah. or, or for his own ego, it's just, you know, when you look at the look at his papers and you look at all the documentation, you look at Patton's papers, you look at all the kind of senior commander's papers, the only person who's worrying about this is Patton. Yeah. It's just not an issue to anybody else. Yeah. But but that's a very long way of saying of answering your question, which I haven't even answered, <laughs> Daryl. Uh, well, um, how does which, it affect, which is how does it affect Yes, it does it does it, it does affect the dynamic of the invading forces on D Day because Patton isn't there in the front line. But actually I think that is an incredibly good decision because Patton is a very, very, very hard driver. And actually because of the huge material advantage that the Allies have in the Second World War, there's no need for that. Yeah. And if you look at Third Army in Northwest Europe, they are the army that have, by a country mile, the largest casualties. Yeah. And, and for what? Yeah. They're going to win. Yeah. You know. So, so the, the the balance that the senior commanders have in Northwest Europe is to push forward so you get the war over and done with yeah, as quickly yeah, as yeah. possible, but not pushing forward so so, so hard so, so that, 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 yeah. that you have this slaughter and this bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that Patton veers on the wrong side of that. Yeah, yeah. Right now, um, we've two questions that, that came to us earlier that I think we can that we can kind of answer together. Um, one from Dr. Alan Ambler, um, uh, and it's fantastic to have a, uh, actually someone with a doctorate that was an honorary like mine uh, on the uh, uh, paying attention. And Rob Lavin or Lavin, and they're they're related. These questions. Um, can the following question be put to James now? How much was moved from Sicily to Greece to the Balkans as a result of mincemeat? Mm. And how long did it stay there before OKW realised there wouldn't be an imminent invasion in the Eastern Mediterranean? And then this kind of ties up with Rob's question. Um, my question is, how big of an impact do you think that Operation Barclay had on the success of the invasion? Is it conceivable the campaign 
would have turned out differently if the Germans had not fallen for the deception. So mincemeat is famously the dead body. Yeah, uh, dropped the, in the sea off the, Spain. The, 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 the homeless guy. Ben McIntyre's book. Ben McIntyre's book. And uh, the man, the man, um, the man with no, no name. name. And Ian Fleming. And yep. it's so and sexy. Double cross. It's so sexy. That goes yep. into Pujol and yeah, double yeah, yeah. cross and all that. Yep. And then what's Barclay though? What well, Barclay is the overall deception plan for Husky. Right. So, so um, mincemeat is, is a sort of, a subsection of Barclay. Yeah. So right. there's a number of deception measures. So what, what the Allies are desperately trying to do is trying to kind of persuade the Axis, the Italians and the Germans, that, that Sicily is not where they're going to invade. And actually yeah. they might be invading a Sardinia uh, um, and Sardinia is a stepping stone for invading Greece, which, you know, if you look at the geography, makes yeah, no yeah, sense yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, um, and and mincemeat, you know, the plans are, on mincemeat are, are that, that, that it's going to be Sardinia and Greece, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are also, though, there is a, a load of, uh, something like 43 different sabotage um, uh, events, actions, in Greece. Right. Which is Operation Animals, which is another right. another subsection of Operation Barclay, um, which is run by a guy called Eddie Myers, right. who is uh, an engineer. Um, and these are completely forgotten because Ben McIntyre hasn't written a book about them, <laughs> <laughs> but, but are absolutely fantastic yeah, and, yeah. and involve blowing up bridges and yeah. you know it's all guns of Navarone stuff. Yeah. I mean, it really is sort of people with stand guns, sort of creeping through the kind of Greek countryside and going brilliant, yeah, and yeah, of, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, stabbing Germans with their yeah, with their yeah, commando yeah. knives yeah. and then blowing up a bridge. I mean, it's, it is an Italian, of course. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing, and. Um, so, so when you're looking at mincemeat, you need to look at look at the just Operation Barclay as a whole, which is the sort of bodyguard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and you know, mincemeat is a fantastic. It's such a good story. It's so brilliant. And what I love about it is the fact that you know, sort of Montague and everyone, you know, they, they get so carried away with yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's almost too good. Yeah, But the, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. truth of the matter is, is that while it is absolutely the case that that what is found on the dead body. Um, uh, that, that washes up on the coast of um, uh, washes up near the coast of southern Spain does make its way to the wolf's lair and to Hitler. All it does is confirm what Hitler already already thinks. Whereas it doesn't dissuade anyone who thinks that Sicily is going to be yeah, the main yeah, attack. Yeah. So so it reinforces Hitler and and does nothing to to persuade Hitler or Kesselring Kesselring or or Gutsoni that it's going to be anything other than Sicily. And the truth of the matter is, when you look at it, it can be nothing other than Sicily. Yeah, which well, sort of well, suggests well, that the whole thing is a In the same way, it couldn't be anywhere else, anywhere other than Normandy. There's just no way you would no, you would I land know, in the Calais. Uh, uh, but but, but <laughs> that is also a kind of indictment of the kind of you know the, the of rotten, how bad rotten thinking in in, 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 in Italian in, high command yeah. and their own intelligence yeah. system. Right. Okay. Another another question. Um, David Patterson says, "Do you think the removal of command from First U.S. Division of Terry Allen and Teddy Roosevelt was justified? Was it solely based on the trainer's slog, or were the personal characteristics of the general more important?" Yeah, this is really interesting because Terry Allen was uh, and and um, uh, and Teddy Roosevelt Jr., who who later is is executive officer, i.e., second in command of Fourth Division landing on on Utah Beach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Terry Allen is much much loved. By the men of the big red one, and he's a kind of hard drinking, no nonsense, doesn't stand on ceremony, doesn't expect people to wear ties, yeah, um, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and famously or infamously, what happens is after the fall of, um, after the surrender of, on the 13th of May 1943 of Axis forces in Tunisia, 
he says, "Okay, fellas, let's go, go and have, let's go and have a hooligan in drink. Iran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. back. We're going back to Iran. Go, go, go and have a kind of you know a, a massive bender. And they all do, and half of them end up in prison. And and he just goes around the next day and kind of bells them all out. Yeah. Uh, and everyone goes, oh, what a boy. Uh, and this is not the pattern way at all. Yeah. It is just totally the opposite way. Yeah. And it's always, it's traditionally been blamed on, on, on pattern for sacking, for sacking Terry Knight. So what basically happens is, is Trowina, so, so they, they head off, um, there's a whole load of them, part, part, half of, there's a provisional core is created, yeah. which includes the Rangers and the yep. third division and various yep. others. Yeah, and, and, and they, and they, and they head off. 82nd Airborne are bunged into that, aren't they? Yes, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah, the second and that's Gavin and, and, yeah. and so on. And, and they head off west and clear clear the western part of. Yeah. M- meanwhile, the big red one, the first division and the forty fifth, are still heading northwards to try and cut this coastal road to cut off yeah. any remaining Italians which want to kind of head into the northeast. Uh, and then um, Montgomery goes and Alexander say, "Well, it'd be great to have them involved. Thank, thank you very much." And so they're given the northern half. So as you're going into kind of sort of, um, oh, I should say it that way, as you're going into sort yeah. of northeast Sicily, um, the Americans get that northern bit, that kind of sort of heading eastwards towards Messina. And the first infantry division, the big red one, as it's known, yeah. it's got a it's got a single badge of a single red coloured one in it, so it's always known as a big red one. Um, they are given this key mountain town of Troina, and it becomes this absolutely brutal yeah. sort of six-day battle. Yeah. Um, and it is really, really tough. And, and one of the problems up there is, is that it's so high. It's the highest town in Sicily. Uh, and it's this sort of weird, undulating sort of mountain plain. It's a very odd place. Yeah. Uh, and it's very kind of, you just when, when, you're, when you're standing up there and you go and see Troina and you look over Troina from the first bite, you, yeah. you're looking at it from the, the American perspective, you just immediately go, wow, I totally get why that's a tough Well, I remember, I remember. And, you, and you've got all this kind of incredibly thin soils and lots of shards of but, rock. But I remember, I remember, I mean, you know, uh, uh, and we are, we are beginning to start to run out of time. But I remember... Um, it was probably a year and a half ago when we when we were first doing the podcast and you went to Sicily and you'd been you'd been and you I think you'd done a tour and, yeah. you, and you were getting ready getting ready to write the book and I remember you saying, "Well, crikey, you go there and you think, how the bloody hell did they do this at all? Because it's, that only thirty eight days. Well, and that was the, and that was then your next point is 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 it's so defendable, so defensible. It, it really so, is so." All the assaults are, are uphill. Everything's hard tack. Yeah. Everything's in view of an OP. Absolutely every aspect of it is yeah. is, is bad news. Because if you're on a plane, there are you know there are mountains yeah. and there are plains. And if you're on a plane, they can see you from the mountains. And yeah. it's and, it, and it's it, it's kind of as simple as that. So it's not like Normandy, where there's the where there's the you know the defensibility of the countryside yeah, yeah, in yeah. itself. Yeah. It's the fact that the the entire landscape yeah. is mitigating against an invading yeah. invading force. And and of course, everyone's known this since the year dot, which is yes. why there are why the Sicilian villages are all away from the seashore. Yeah. So they they're, so they're, they can't be easily snatched from the corsairs. Exactly. They can't be they, literally pirates can't yeah. come and steal their women, and. And then the Norman castle keeps on tops of mountains from, from the from the bad old days of the of the eleventh and twelfth century with crusades going backwards yep. and forwards and and Moorish raiders and yep. and so on and and the the history of Sicily is defended hard as nails difficult places so uh, and I, I I was really struck by this in reading the book and and it really it really 
uh, stuck with me the thing you'd said when you'd gone to Sicily, which is like, how the hell did they do this? Yeah, it's, it is absolutely amazing. It, 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 it is imp- 38 days, it's incredibly impressive. Yeah, uh, uh, just just to very fin- quickly finish on Terry Allen and Terry Ruzo. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think that was quite a hard sacking. It was a sacking actually was led by Bradley, who was the two core commander. Right, right. Omar Bradley, who then leapfrogs over Patton and becomes first army commander, yeah. and then becomes twelfth army group commander in yeah, Northwest yeah, Europe yeah. In, in Normandy um, on the first of August, nineteen forty-four. He's the one who gets rid of Allen. I think there is just a sense that 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 Allen is is is. Much though he's loved by his men, and tough though he is, and, and good though he is, he's slightly singing to a different tune. Yeah, he's not quite on the same peg. Yeah, and, and you just need to all be on the same peg. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those harsh dismissals, but probably was the right one. It's yeah. the truth of the matter. Yeah, but to go back to your original point, I mean, you know, one day. We will be standing yes. on, the, on the top yes. of the Zorro, I promise you. Oh, God. And, and, and one of the most amazing things about Zorro, which incidentally is one of his incredible actions, where the Canadians, just a single battalion of Canadians, go up this literally sheer face. It's an insane It's the Hasty Peas. Yeah. Hasting and Prince Edward's Regiment, always known as the Hasty Peas. They go up this kind of, this almost perpendicular slope at night. Yeah. Take the top, and the Germans are kind of in the town below the summit. And what they've captured is the optics yeah. and the OP, yeah. which is what you need. So then they can direct, instead of the Germans using that to direct their own artillery onto the Brit- onto the Canadians, yeah. they can then direct their own artillery onto, onto it's the Germans. Ins- but, but it's amazing. But when you stand there, you go, oh yeah, and kind of eight miles away, there's a Jira. And, and beyond that is Ragobuto. And beyond that is Centurope. And beyond that is Etna. What's also on and on. striking about that story, though, is you open the book with... Paddy Main and the boys, and they come in and they take these gun batteries and and they and they do their special forces thing. Hasty pieces, they're just infantry. They're line infantry. Yeah. And they and and something and they've never been in battle. They've never been in battle before. And something is asked of them that is easily is is absolutely one hundred percent a thing as you'd expect some special forces guys to do. Go tab up to a mountainside at night. Find yeah. the find the way up the mountain. Get do on top. Get on top of the castle and then hold it until relieved. And they're just. They're just line infantry, and what happens? They finish that action, they dust themselves down, and they do the next one. Then they do the next one. Then, then they do regular, yeah, 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 yeah. they do a Jira. Anyway, and what's, just very quickly, but what is amazing about it is you've got all the way in that northeast corner of yeah. Sicily, you've got Etna, and it's like Sauron's eye. Yeah, it's just like everywhere you look, there it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. and it's just kind of sort of like it's like a sort of homing device. But we are, yeah. You see, we're we're out of time. Oh my god, already. Um. Uh, I, I heartily recommend it. I can I can tell you this. Um, uh, I've read the book. I've read the bloody book. So um, you bloody well have. James Holland, Sicily Forty Three. The audio book is also excellently done. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, publication day. Yeah, thank you. Day thank, you. thank you very much, Walter. Massive. Thank, thank you for having us on. Thank you for keeping going. Go in a bookshop. Buy your copy in a bookshop. Even if you've already gone to some filthy internet provider, go and buy the bloody thing from a bloody bookshop. Because, uh, well, I can't guarantee that it's a great book, but what I can guarantee is a great story. <laughs> it absolutely is. The, Sicilian, the story of the Sicilian campaign is amazing. We haven't even touched on the mafia. Well, you're going to have to buy the book if you want to know about the mafia. you got to buy the yeah, book. you got to know it. you got to buy the book. Don't disrespect me. It's a nice book you got here, James Holland. You'd be ashamed <laughs> if something happened to I'll it. I'll never take sides against the family. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thanks Cheerio. very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>